welcome to Sunday Night Live at the Rock Church of Fort Myers, City of Palms. <laughs> Ain't God good? Reminds me of that old song, what's his name? What's his name? What's his name? Y'all don't know nothing about that. <laughs> he's such a good God. He is so, he's great and he's greatly to be praised. You know, he's my kinsman redeemer. He redeemed me from the grits of hell. He redeemed me from the miry clay. I, I could spend my whole life praising him and that would never be enough. Woo! I didn't come to give him a little patty cake praise. I didn't come to sit down on the Lord tonight. He's been too good to me. He's brought me from a mighty long way. Woo! Why don't you give him a hand clap of praise? Why don't you high five a couple of people on the way to your seats tonight? Why don't you tell him his name is Jesus? It's not the most high. It's not the universe. It's Jesus. People, devils tremble at that name. <laughs> so they know who he is. Do you know who he is? I said the devils tremble at that name. Because they know that there's power and authority in that name. Do you know that tonight? Woo, hallelujah. I was glad when they said unto me, you know, my strength comes from the Lord. And when I come amongst the people of God, I get strengthened. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord tonight. I need you in the house of the Lord tonight. Amen. Do you feel the strength of the Lord in this house? Woo, shake off the weariness, shake off the tiredness. And just praise the Lord with me tonight. Amen. All right, go ahead and grab your books, Bibles. <laughs> I'm a student, y'all. I don't know. <laughs> first lady, I love you with all my heart. You are one amazing first lady. You set a real high bar, and I'm every day trying to, <laughs> trying to reach it. I love you. Bishop, I love you. You're a father to me, Bishop. You really are. And... We miss you, so come home. <laughs> Please come home. <laughs> Thank you, Rock Church. I love you. I count this an honor and a privilege, and I do not take it lightly. You know, the anointing comes under supreme pressure and pressing, often related to as the olive press. And those who know, know, we don't take this lightly, not at all. And I want to give you what the Lord has given me. It was a whole nother different direction and God seems to do that a lot. And maybe because I'm a woman and I'm emotional, <laughs> he has to bring me center fold sometimes, amen. I love my children. Without them, I wouldn't be the woman that I am today. I love you all, Preston, Jada, Jacqueline, Cedric, and Rome. You mean the world to me, I love you. Had to count, make sure I didn't skip any. Okay, I think that's everybody. If not, count it to my head, not my heart. Brother Leon, I am 41, so got a year on you. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 through 18. We've been having conference preaching around here. Oh, my word. Brother Trevor, where are you? Oh, there you are. 
Brother Trevor, you're blessed. You're blessed, my friend. You're anointed. You're an anointing preacher. You're a man of God. You have a heart for the people, and you can sing. Let me tell you the best part. That young lady standing next to you. If you didn't go to youth service, start going to youth services. The only reason I don't go consistently is because of Bible study, and I love ladies' Bible study. Sister Morgan Hoffer, Sloss. Did I say that right? I'm sorry. Sloss 2.0. I love you, girl. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Brother Trevor, you're blessed. Highly favored. Ephesians chapter 1, 15 through 18. Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of his glory and of his inheritance in the saints. Eyes, light, enlightenment, understanding, that ye may know. We're also going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 through 4. Rock Church, you're all blessed. Every couple in this house, you're blessed. And I thank God for you, because strong families build strong churches. Thank you for being the example. Amen. But if your gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world had blind, blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of this glorious gospel of Christ, who is in the image of God, should shine upon them. Light, shine, eyes, enlightenment, understanding that ye may know. Would you lift your voices up to God right now? Let the eyes of my understanding be enlightened, Jesus. Help me to see you, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. I don't, I'm not sure what you want to do in this house, Lord, but I, I am just a lowly vessel. And God, I know specifically that you changed this direction because you want to speak to me through me and to your people. Anoint these lips of clay, Lord. I humble myself before you, Lord. My heart is wide open to receive what you have. I pray right now. I plead the blood of Jesus against every distraction, every unclean spirit, every spirit of carnality. God, you take control of this atmosphere. Let it be conducive for a pure manifestation of your presence made visible in this household, oh God. I'll be so ever carefully, Lord, to navigate through this just as you have given it to me. But I need your help tonight. I don't trust in the arm of the flesh. But I trust in you, Jesus. I love you. We all love you, God, and we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Brother Stewart, it's hard <laughs> coming after you. There's a pure saturation of the Holy Ghost in this house on Tuesday night. So in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 18, the Apostle Paul had written this epistle in A.D. 62 while in prison in Rome. 
The first chapter of Ephesians, verse 16, is Paul making a powerful prayer to the church at Ephesus. While in prison, even in prison, even in bondage, physically, Paul desired to impart wisdom, revelation into his saints so that they would know and understand the riches they possess in Christ. Do you understand the riches? Do we understand the riches that we possess in Christ? Paul imparted hope into the lives and spirits of the church at Ephesus. This church was established by Paul. Paul was their bishop. And while in prison in Rome, he continued to pastor his church through these letters known as epistles. Paul wasn't the only man of God who had the prison experience. So it was John the Baptist. He also had his own personal, literal, literal prison experience. In Matthew 14 and 3, we understand that the story tells us that Herod laid hold on John the Baptist and put him in prison because John rebuked him. John told Herod, it's not lawful for you to take your own brother's wife. And he got upset and threw him in jail. It makes me wonder, if I go and I tell LGBTQ, it's unlawful for you to have lust after the same kind. Will they throw me in jail, Pastor Hammond? My God. The title of this message is, Do You See What I See? Turn to your neighbor and say, do you see what I see? Don't be carnal, y'all. <laughs> I could imagine John sitting in prison thinking, any day now, Jesus is going to come and break me out of here, just like he did with Peter in Acts chapter 12, 3. In Matthew chapter 11, John gets word in prison. It's amazing how people can get, stay on the up and up while in prison. That always astounded me. Like who had the scoop on the outside? It's amazing. But John gets word in prison of the mighty and great works that Jesus is performing. So he sends two of his disciples unto Jesus. Sounds like John was running the show. He sends two of his disciples to Jesus. And he says, you know what I want you to tell him? Art thou he that come? Or do we look for another? This is the same John. If you would skip back to chapter 3, Matthew 3, which it says he was the voice in the wilderness of Judea, saying, repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that spake by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way for the Lord. Make its path straight. Now as the prison walls begin to close in on him, and as the days continued on to become weeks, months, I can imagine John growing frustrated. I imagine him questioning why. I'm an innocent man. I didn't do anything but upheld the law. I'm preaching the truth. I'm living the truth. Why hasn't Jesus come for me yet? 
You know, I came across an article, a news article, and it was written by a man named Daryl Henry. He was a father of two. Daryl was arrested in 2004, charged with a double homicide in New Orleans. Daryl was innocent, yet wrongfully convicted based solely on flawed eyewitness identifications. But he was sentenced to life in prison. His children would visit him in prison, then they told reporters that it was hard to leave him. One child explained that they would visit for three to four hours and it never felt like enough time. After nearly 16 years of wrongful imprisonment, Darrell's conviction was overturned and he was granted a new trial based on DNA evidence. In 2020, Daryl Henry was released from Angola prison in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic. But despite global chaos and uncertainty, Daryl said that he's relishing his time with his family and the chance to spend Father's Day at home with his children for the first time in over a decade and a half. But just when you think that Daryl is finally free to live happily ever after with his family, the district attorney's office decided to appeal the court's decision, overturning his conviction and ordering a new trial. Bail was required and it was set at $400,000. The court's ruling to free him not only called for celebration, but also restitution of having his name cleared from a criminal identity murder case. I can only imagine the overwhelming mixed emotions as Daryl hung in the balance of freedom and bondage. It's one thing to be guilty as charged, but it's another. How does one cope with false imprisonment. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. One translation says, fixing our eyes on Jesus. As horrifying as false imprisonment may be, I've never personally never known a man or a woman that would voluntarily enter into the prison and demand the guilty to be set free so that he can take his place instead. I have never known a single person on this earth that would go into the prison and say, you know what, pardon him, I'll take his place. Give me the punishment, make me the verdict. I don't know anyone in this world that would do that but Jesus Christ. Oh, I need, you to, I need you to preach with me tonight. I said his name is Jesus. I said his name is Jesus. You shouldn't be so long that you've forgotten where he's brought you from. He pardoned you for your sins. You were guilty. You were guilty. You were guilty unto death. I was guilty unto death, but he took our place instead. Why don't you worship the Lord of Lords? 
He hung on that cross. He hung on that cross. He said, they didn't take my life. I gave it up. I have the power to put it down and raise it up back again. We're talking about the God of creation. Descending down to where we are to the filth of the flesh and taking on the form of humanity and being bruised and cursed at and pierced and, and, and everything that you could ever imagine that you, you have not suffered unto death like he has. And he did it for our gain. He didn't want anything in return. He did it for our gain so that we may live for him. It's a win-win situation. It's a win-win situation. Veterans Day, think about that, is a highly esteemed U.S. holiday as many pay homage to those who have fought for and may have even lost their life defending this country. But who will be willing to become the ultimate atonement for sins, of sins for humanity? Romans 5, 6 through 11, for when we were yet without strength in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely is a righteous man will one die. Yet preadventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commanded his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than them being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Why don't you bless his name? Oh, why don't you bless his name? Many of us sit here on these pews today free, a free woman and a free man. But yet, I would propose that it's still possible to be in prison without stepping foot behind prison bars. Your mind can hold you hostage. I said your mind can hold you hostage. It can keep you locked up in a place of doubt and fear, even when there is nothing pressuring you from the outside. The locks of our mental prisons are the beliefs that we hold about ourselves and our world. The imprisonment of our mind is, directly, is, is directed back to us because they are the thoughts that we have, the perceptions that we have of our lives and our world. Paul in prison, in Rome, was pastoring his flock. John the Baptist was doubting. Are you the Messiah? Because if not, is there another one to come? Because I'm in prison. And I don't want to be in here. Come rescue me. Those two disciples that he sent to talk to Jesus, he could be sending. And just as Paul developing and nurturing and encouraging, have you ever had an opportunity to encourage someone while in your prison? Can y'all just help me pray? Oh, can you just help me lift up his name? 
oh, can you just call upon his name? Can you just help me? If this isn't a word in your season, just please pray for me. It's me, Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened and that Jesus would give unto them the spirit of wisdom, revelation, and knowledge. Paul, from a prison cell, was asking the church of of Ephesus, do you see what I see? That's what Jesus told John. He said, go tell John, the blind receive their sight. And the lame walk, and the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Please, John, don't be offended in me. Don't lose hope. I am the I am. I want to just remind somebody tonight, and I myself, my sister, my brother, keep your minds on Jesus. Pray, pray, pray. Pray that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened so you can see what Jesus sees. Pray, 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 pray. Brother Stewart, you preached under great conviction and under even a greater anointing Tuesday. Disruptive compassion. The anointing in the presence of God was on a whole nother level up in here. And if you missed it, I'm sorry. But let me tell you, the eyes of my understanding, Brother Stewart, were enlightened. My God. What many of us experienced last Tuesday was the compassion of God for the sin-sick soul. That's what we felt in here. When we preach, it's not about us. These words aren't our words. This anointing don't belong to us. We have to be the vessel in which it flows. And Brother Stewart... God confirmed. God was standing right here in this, in this sanctuary confirming what he gave you. I feel the Holy Ghost. The pure manifestation of his compassion was made known in this sanctuary Tuesday. And I cried at the altar right there and I said, God, enlarge my heart. Give me the same compassion that thou possesses. I want to see what you see. I want to see what you see like Paul had seen in prison what you have seen. I want to preach. I want to identify. I want to win souls to the kingdom of God while in prison. My God, why don't you just help me right now? It's not about us, Lord. It's not about us at all, Jesus. Jesus. The locks of our mental prisons are the beliefs that we hold about ourselves and the world. But we don't have to remain there. We just have to put on the mind of Christ. We just have to see how Jesus sees. I said, we just have to see how Jesus sees. But it's not easy to get there because you have to crucify the carnal nature of your flesh. Flesh says, give me. Flesh says, give me, give me, give me. But God says, do you see what I see? 
the scripture declares in Proverbs 11.30, the fruit of righteousness is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. I value wisdom greatly. As a new convert a few years ago, who's counting? I, um, I was drawn to the book of Proverbs because in it, God tells us to get wisdom and get understanding and value it above rubies and whatever you would possess monetarily to value it above that. So, and it said it over and over and over. And I was like, there's something here, God, I need your wisdom. And I continue to pray for that on a daily. I value wisdom. I pray for it. The Lord instructs us if we are lacking wisdom, ask it of him and he'll give it to us liberally. So I previously looked at this scripture in a literal sense. And please don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to overanalyze or overexegete the scripture. But I thought, okay, I want to be wise. I'm going to go win some souls. I want to be wise. But after Tuesday night, I thought about that. James 13, 7 says, but wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And it knocked me over, Brother Stewart. I don't want to ever claim to be something that I have not, that I'm not. I don't put on a dress and shoes to come in here and to appear to be something that I'm not. God, I want to be wise. Even if that means I have to tell Herod or tell the society and tell this world what thus saith the Lord. I want to do it with wisdom. My God, can you please help me? Oh, Jesus. I thought about fruit, which is a byproduct of a well-nurtured and cared-for seed. I then considered 1 Timothy 4.16. It says, take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Paul had this revelation in prison. I can't beat the ground, pound the pavement, Saturday after Saturday or Monday through Sunday, and I don't get myself right. God's, uh, faith without works is dead, but God's, I'm not going to make it to heaven by the number of souls that I win. And the number of souls that I talk to doesn't constitute wisdom. It doesn't. Because here it says, take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine and continue in them. For in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. We don't have time for pity parties. We don't have time for pity parties. 
God, help my heart to be right. Help my motives to be right. Give me your wisdom that comes from above. Help me not only to go and compel the land, but to teach a Bible study. To grab a hold of them and walk them through. To carry burdens with them. To learn of them. To know their favorite color. To know how they feel about themselves. To know what their plans are. To teach them about you, Jesus, because when I continue in this doctrine, I'm not just saving souls, but I'm saving myself. Then I thought about 2 Corinthians, chapter 4, verses, verses 3 through 4. And again, I'm not trying to, the, the word of God is manifold, many folds. And it says, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Music, I'm, I'm ready when you are. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Lest the light of this glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine upon them. Now, contextually, Paul was striving with false prophets in Corinth. Their minds, the minds of the false prophet, their minds were blinded by Satan. Satan, the god of this world, the little g, blinds the minds of the unbeliever. They were using the word of God deceitfully, and that's what false prophets do. But Paul also continues to say that the God, little g, of this world hath blinded the minds of them that believe not. I know firsthand that unbelief opens doors for Satan, the God of this world. It's impossible to please God. Without faith. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. How do we backslide on a pew? We stop believing that he is. So we get locked up in our prisons and ourselves and our pity parties. And God, why hasn't this happened? And why hasn't that happened? And I'm paying my tithes. And I'm coming to church. And I'm at prayer. And I'm actually praying. And I'm speaking your word. And I'm at outreach on every day. And nothing's happening for me. So what happens when we tantrum with God? It messes with our belief system. And if you're like me, I've had a lot of people fail me in my life before coming to God. <laughs> I ended up in relationship after relationship because I actually trusted in the lives of those who just wanted one thing. And they left me empty and broken. And so here I am living for God and, and, and things may not be happening. And I'm like, God, are you just like them? So doubt comes and unbelief comes and um, you hang in the balance of bondage and freedom. A bondage and freedom. And in our nature, we know how to put on the, the false, the facade 
of appearing to be okay. Because in my disbelief, in my propensity as a human being, I'm not just going to stay there. I'm going to grab on something to, that's actually tangible that I can put my belief in. And I'm, leering, I'm, I'm leaning in this direction, which is my own understanding, because this I believe, because, <laughs> because when I put this in Bitcoin, I see, a I, I, I see a return. But when I put this in the offering plate, I've been waiting for like 16 years. So I'm hanging whew, in bondage with Vita. And it's easy to come to church and be free because I'm telling you there's strength in this house when we come together in one mind and one accord. And feel lifted up and feel free. Bishop says, he's going to do it. Here's the open door. Run through it. He's going to do it. Will you stand with me, please? Blessed is he who is not offended in me, but the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, and the deaf hear. The mind of Christ. I don't want to win souls without having the mind of Christ. I don't want to come into this house and worship without having the mind of Christ. I don't want to preach on this platform without having the mind of Christ. I don't want to pray with you at the altar unless I put on the mind of Christ. My main objective is your main objective, Jesus. For I know that heaven and earth will pass away, but not one jot of your word will pass away. There's somebody in here that don't want to hang in the middle of bondage and freedom. But our worldview has been shaped by disbelief, by unbelief. And what comes out of our mouth doesn't match up, it doesn't line up with our hearts. So then we're just going through emotion and doing our due diligence on Sundays like every other church. But God is in this house. And he's ready when you are to pull you back into freedom. But it's gonna take faith. Because without that, it's impossible to please him. Will you lift your hands with me? What could happen, Lord? You've already given us a measure of faith. What could happen if we just open up our hearts right now and receive your word, God, with nothing, holding nothing, to trust you again, to dream big again, to believe you again?
because time dwells in you. You don't dwell in time. You, there, it, time doesn't matter when it comes to the kingdom of God. I want to see how you see. Set a fire in my soul, Lord. Rekindle the fire that you once put there, Lord God, when you redeem me from the grits of hell, Jesus. Help me, God, to run just a little further in you, God. Do you see what I see? Souls are being saved. Bodies are healed. Families are being restored. Men are taking their rightful place. Women are being the helpmeet. Children are worshiping the Lord in spirit and in truth. Bus kids are bringing their parents into the house of the Lord. Fathers and mothers are being saved by the saving name of Jesus Christ. Families are moving here from other states because they want you. They want what you see. Blessed is he who is not offended in me. So your world may be changed. Change I want to see. Your blessings will come. God is faithful. But while you're in your prison, why don't you build somebody else? Why don't you give a Bible study? Why don't you go win the lost over so that they don't die and go to an eternal hell? Why don't you speak life into yourself and let it overflow into your co-workers at the grocery store and to your neighbors? Why don't you get God's attention and let your heart beat the same as His? He's compassionate for the lost. Our days are numbered. He's soon to come. Do you see what God sees? Come on, somebody. Sisters, have with us. Woke capably and with the authority of the Holy Ghost. What God's doing right now, we need to understand the, the prisons we're in, like she said. Let's not get focused on our own things that, that hinder us. Let's not get focused on our own lives and, and us and me. And God, let's see what you are doing, God. Let's look at what's going on in this church, God. Let's see the miracles that's going on, Lord. Let's rejoice. Oh, oh come on, someone. Come on, someone. Jesus, has I been my prison, God? Lord, that I worship you, God. Has I been my prison, God? Help me to see what you see, Lord. Oh, come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. If we're not careful, we'll let the enemy lie to us. And make the enemy look at our lives and say, what, what's come with it? What happened to you? Just as the enemy lied to John the Baptist, say if he's the Messiah, why are you in prison? Oh, I say no to that spirit. Jesus, 
You're going to have your way. You're going to have your way, God. You've blessed me already, God. You've saved my soul already, God. Lord, it's for you, Jesus. I give all to you, Jesus. Come on, come on. It needs to be your prayer. It needs to be your prayer tonight. There's people asking for God for things, believing in God for things, and are not saved to not have faith. I'm saved. Forget about it. You prayed. You trusted God. Now work. Work for the kingdom. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. That healing you've been asking for. I said that healing you've been asking for. God has trusted you with that sickness. Oh, my God, in the the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, listen, listen, church, it's not to say that we don't have faith because the things that we are praying for, we don't receive. That's not what faith is. Faith is having, is trusting in God no matter what. You see it, you still have faith. You don't see it, you still have faith. I'm trusting in God for the miraculous to happen no matter what. But if it doesn't happen, Jesus, I will still praise you. I will still worship you. I will still live for you. I will still fight for you. I will still teach Bible studies. I will Come on, somebody. There's prayers out there in these altars. And you're going to be willing to let that go so you can continue to move with God. Because you don't know God's timing. You don't know when God's going to do it. So what are you going to do? Wait before you go with God. I say no to that church. We ought to say no to that church. I say we're going to follow him.